Let us pray. In your word, Heavenly Father, you say, come to me, all who are worried and heavy laden. But we come to you now, Lord, in this heavy season. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to us and comfort us, reassure us that you are with us now and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Good morning. Well, before we begin our sermon, I want you to watch a short little video here we have for the Advent season, specifically for this Sunday, a Sunday of hope. Troubling times indeed. But I want to ask you a question this morning as we begin. What gets you up every day? Honestly, what gets you up every day? Are you excited about the day? Are you looking forward to going to work or spending time with your family or working on that new project or finding that person that you, want, you might want to spend the rest of your life with? What gets you up in the morning? Are you excited about life? Or is life a dread? Is life heavy? Is life miserable? Is life depressing? Is life sad? What gets you up? What do you look forward to? What do you inspire to be? How do you look to contribute to this world that God called good? I make no light of Anyone who's going through difficult times, far from it. There is sin in the world, and it permeates the entire four corners of this globe. Especially now in this season of a pandemic. And then in our nation, with so many things that have happened in this year, social unrest. How is it even possible to get up? and be excited, looking forward to the next 12 hours of being awake, going to work, having a spirit of joy and peace and, and comforting and encouraging people versus kind of just going through the motions wherever you are. Even when we might get a new job or moving to a new place, it seems like that's only temporal. And then it fades away, it comes and it goes in a blink of an eye. What gets us up? Well, I'll tell you what. What puts air in our lungs and allows our hearts to beat is God. There's a reason why we get up every morning. Even in the darkest night, the sun will rise. Regardless of the circumstances, God wants us to be here. Just by definition, just by the sheer fact that we're here today. This is not an accident. It didn't just kind of happen. 
The Lord chose. The Lord's grace. The Lord's will is for us to be here today. But there's more. There's much, much more. There's a purpose. I mentioned that on Thanksgiving just a few days ago. But it's our job to understand what that purpose is for each, and each one of us. And that, when, once we realize that purpose, then we begin to really get excited about life and the life of the kingdom of God. Yes, this isn't just words. This isn't just religion. Go ahead. Try your old ways. How has that? How has that worked for us recently? Go ahead. Focus on those other things. Just the work, the money, the money, the job, maybe the, the sport, or the music, or the food. All of these things are important in our lives, but that shouldn't be the reason why we get up. It's to live the lives that God has called us to live. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? It's to love him and to make him known. It's to worship him. It should, be, it should consume every inch of our body, every ounce of our thoughts. This isn't just some games, some ordinary things some people choose to do. Some do the religion thing. Some people do the spiritual thing. Some people do the entrepreneur thing. Some people do the music thing. Some people do the construction thing. No, we were all created in the image of God, in his likeness. God has called us to love him and then to make him known into the world. And the great news is that God has already come into the world and has lived like us who lived for us in the person of Jesus Christ. And that, that event, that history has been recorded in what we call the Bible. In the New Testament, God revealed himself through his son, Jesus Christ, so that the world may know him and be set free, so that they could live a life of fire, a zeal that would consume them, a purpose that would be beyond any of their thoughts. Yes, I am speaking to you. Not to your neighbor, not to some other person. If you're in your 20s, you're in your 30s, in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, or 90s, God has a purpose for you still today. That's why you're hearing this today. It's not an accident. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. The Holy Spirit wants to get this message across to you. Come. Come closer to me. Come closer to my son, Jesus Christ, the Father is saying. He has come into the world. He said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And that should be our purpose. Each and every morning waking up to say, thank you, God, and to say, Lord, send me. Send me. Now, what does this have anything to do with Advent? Well, none of these words would have any merit or truth if our Lord never came to begin with. If he had never come, lived, died, resurrected, 
and ascended to the Father. And then 10 days later on that great day of Pentecost, falling down, the Holy Spirit falling down like fire. The birth of the church. And now the church has a purpose. And that purpose is true today and still as important as it's ever been. It's not just for some men 2,000 years ago. No, it is for you, whether you live in Burbank, North Hollywood, somewhere in the valley, in a different state, wherever you are. The purpose is to know our Lord and make him known because he came into the world to reveal himself, to reveal his great love for the world. This isn't religion. This is life. This is the purpose. This is the meaning of life. It's to know your creator, to know your maker. Everything else falls second and third. But again, what does this have to do with today's lessons? When we look at today's lessons, when I first looked at today's lesson, I have to be honest. It's not the most attractive Bible passage in Scripture. Who wants to talk about the signs of the end times? Who wants to focus on those things? On the things that are sometimes scary to hear and to visualize. And here I'm supposed to preach the coming of these days? Yeah. Because it's God's word. And it's important. We need to be awake. In this passage, there's so much content. There's so much content in here. And the question for a preacher, a minister, a priest, an exegete is, what do you focus on? What do you highlight? What do you zone in on? What's the take-home message? Stay awake. The Son of Man will one day come again. The question is, are we prepared? Nobody knows the day or the hour, but the Son of Man one day will appear, suddenly. Now every generation for the last 2,000 years has anticipated that potential in their lifetime. But it's not for us to know the day and the hour when God will send his son. But we must be prepared. Well, this goes back to my first question. When you wake up in the morning, what gets you going? How could we live a life for God if we're not prepared? Are we prepared? Are we prepared if our Lord Jesus Christ suddenly one day comes back next week, next month, next year? Will we be prepared? And what does preparation mean? Are our hearts right with God? Are we doing everything in our power to share this good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
with those that we love? Or is it just some side thing for the priest, maybe, or the pastor, or some folks? He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Meaning this is true. Here Jesus is, has just entered Jerusalem, the triumphal entry on Sunday. Hosanna, Hosanna. They shout and proclaim the Savior of Israel, the King. Monday he goes into the temple and he turns over their tables. They've made a mockery of God's house. And here we are Tuesday as he's just walked out of the temple, cursed a fig tree, and his disciples come to him and they say to him, wow, look at these beautiful buildings. What tremendous stones. Jesus says, all this you see, splendor they are, but soon they will no longer be. And this is the context in which we read today's lesson. Jesus begins to talk to the people about the end of the temple, Jerusalem, and of the end of the age. And so he sits on the Mount of Olives just east of Jerusalem, and he's looking at the temple and he starts describing to them the coming. The coming of the Son of Man. Well, isn't he there already? Yes. But he's talking about his future coming, his second coming. He says, but in those days after the tribulation, there will be times of tribulation. This was in the time of Jerusalem. He's referring to that time in 66 to 70 when the temple was destroyed. But even beyond that, we have to have the lens of eyes, of the, the, the eyes of faith to see beyond that immediate time that he was referring to. He says, but in those days after the tribulation, when God will judge the world, the sun will be darkened and the moon will give its Away its light, and the stars will be falling from the heavens, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Here, this is an image of the unfolding of all of creation the sun, the moon, the stars, the heavens. Everything that God created in the first days of Scripture, in the first days of creation, here there's an unraveling of sort. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. This is a quote. From Daniel 7, 13, but in that passage, a man like here, one like a man, here, the Son of Man, the article of the Son of God will be coming on the clouds, and he won't be coming alone. No, he will be coming with angels. But he doesn't come passively, no, he comes with great dunama and doxa, great power and glory. He's not going to come in a major, quiet. He's going to come 
with great power and glory. And he's going to send his angels, and his angels are going to go, and it says, gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. The angelos, the angels, the messengers of God. For the people of God. His elect, his people. Are we prepared for that day when the Son of Man comes in great power and glory? I mean, you have to ask that question. You can only answer that question by yourself. I can only answer that question. Who is God in our life? Where does he, where does he sit in our life? Or is this just make-believe mythology? Jesus was some prophet, a good teacher, a rabbi, a religious figure, and these words really don't have any weight. You mean, people have come and gone and said great things about the future, you know? And so Jesus is just one of many like that. His first prediction came true in his day. The temple was destroyed. It's the second one now that we anticipate. Was he the son of man? Forgive me, the son of God. Was he? And what does that mean for you this morning? From the fig tree, learn its lesson. He cursed the fig tree in chapter 11. He saw it not bearing any fruit, only leaves. Here it says, As soon as its branches become tender and puts out its leaves, you know the summer is near. Summer, heat, time of judgment. Also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near. Who is he? Not a make-believe character. Not a fairy tale story. He, the one only He. He, the Messiah. He who will come in and usher the Messianic age. Yes, He, that time. One day, He will return. He is speaking in the present, and He's alive, but He's speaking of the future time when He will be sent by the Father. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until these things have taken place. Now, wait a minute. Was Jesus a false prophet? How, how could that be? This generation will pass, will not pass? Well, it could be, that could be one of two things. He's referring to the stuff that was going to happen in his generation, which it did. Jerusalem was destroyed by Rome. So was the temple. But also, when he says the word this, this generation, he could be referring to when he comes, that generation at that time. It will happen to this generation at the time of my coming as well. So that's you and me, possibly. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. This reminds us of Acts chapter 1, verse 7. Oh, Jesus, when will the Father restore, when will you restore the kingdom of Israel? It's not your concern what day or the hour, the dates that my Father has planned. 
It is for our benefit we don't know the day or the hour. Our benefit in matters of faith. So we don't take him for granted and we don't fall asleep, but we are always urgent. We're always awake. We're always alert. We're always on guard. Our eyes are open. Our minds are working. Our spirit is awake. Or we would get complacent. Oh, it's six months from now. We know exactly when it is. So from now until then, I'll live like a heathen. I'll treat my neighbor in the most worst way possible. And then when he comes, I'll clean myself up. It's for our own good we don't know the day or the hour. Just like the ten virgins when Father Jose preached, we must be ready. Because suddenly one day our master will return. Be on guard. Keep awake. The word awake is used four times. That means take notice. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his own work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning. The four hours that the Romans used during their day. Essentially, at any time, all the time. Lest he suddenly come and find you asleep. The word here, sleep, is equivalent to the word dead. Spiritually dead, spiritually asleep. He's not talking about physically asleep. Are we spiritually alive today? When we wake up in the morning, what are we thinking about? Who are we living for? What are we inspiring to do, to be? How often in our day do we align our thoughts with God? That's a question we all have to answer. How often do you think of God? I can't answer that for you. Neither can you answer that question for me. It's an honest question. We can pretend and play religion all day. We can come in here, decorate this place, turn on the lights, sing some songs, Hear some words, pray some prayers. But are we spiritually awake? Are we awake? There is life in God. If we're asleep spiritually, how could there be life in us? Even the new job, the new place, that nice check, that nice person with her beautiful smile or his charming good looks or those wonderful children, they won't sustain us. They can't. Only our creator can. 
Are we prepared? Are we prepared for the coming of the Savior of the world? In his first coming, he came with a message of peace. Do not be afraid. Peace be with you. In his second coming, he says he comes with a sword to judge. But his people have nothing to worry about, for his angels will go and gather his elect. But his people have to be awake. I hope and pray the Holy Spirit has convicted you this morning. I hope it's convicted me. I want us to reflect on that once church is over. Set aside some time and examine your heart as I will set set some time to examine my heart. And I pray that this Advent season is one of an awakening. So then when we do wake up the next morning, by God's grace, we know our purpose and we can't wait to live it. I end with this. I believe I was supposed to be here today. And so were you. I believe God has touched me. And I believe God has touched you. I believe that God has called you for a purpose in his church. As he has called me for a purpose in this church. Seek the Lord. Let us all seek the Lord. He will come. He already has. He will come again. No one else deserves our hearts, our lives, like him. And watch and see what he does in and through us. Let us stay awake. And let us pray now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words. They are light to our feet. We pray, O Lord, to stir our hearts with today's words. Father, I don't know if I spoke and folks were convicted, but I pray that they were. Let us live sober, upright, and godly lives in this world as we await the blessed day for which we hope when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will appear.
Let us be concerned for one another, encouraging one another to show love and to do good as we wait the blessed day of which we hope when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will appear. In your name we pray these things. Amen.